Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to the very festive Screen Bucket. It's our first Christmas Day edition. Yeah. On Christmas Day. When was it last year? I can't remember. Was it Christmas Eve? Probably. Who knows? I don't even know. But yes, this is episode 34 of the Screen Bucket Podcast, and it's Christmas Day! It's Christmas! Yay! It's all cosy. There's a roaring fire. We have the fire going. We've got chestnuts over there. Presents over there, and look what I've got here. Port, port, a big bottle of special reserve port. Oh, how lovely! Which I'm going to pour out right flipping now. Oh, because it's well, Christmas and we have to drink. As it's Christmas, Absolutely. I think we should be drinking during this podcast. Uh, what else would you normally do on Christmas? Eat cheese. Uh, I get up. My parents traditionally put all of my presents in a pillowcase. And then, and then uh, beat you with it. And then uh, yeah, hit me with it. And it's normally full of like bits of concrete. Oh <laughs> um, yeah, after that, wait for relatives to come around, eat the Christmas food, and then have a little argument, and then watch some TV. Nice. Do you do stockings in your house? No. Oh. Did you, you ever? Just pillowcases. <laughs> okay. Is that like the Dickensian version of stockings? Well, the thing with a pillowcase is you fit more presents in there. So it's a big stocking is true but in the 90s we would be getting big fat megazords and things oh hold on you get all your presents in the pillowcase yeah all of the presents go in the pillowcase oh yeah okay it's fun and the pillowcase is under the tree no in bedroom at the foot of the bed oh you're weird and there's satsumas (laughs) in there okay alright that's alright isn't it yeah so the Tyler household right we have stockings at the end of the bed which is full of satsumas, nuts, little toy soldiers with little parachutes you throw down the stairs. Oh, that's brilliant. Little paper, uh, foam plane things. Like loads of tats, basically. Chocolate, coins, whatever. That's in the stocking. Yeah. So we do that. So traditionally, we'd all jump onto my parents' bed and open all the stockings at once. Obviously, it doesn't happen anymore. But the, the, we'd still get together, do the stockings. And then we go downstairs. Yeah. Well, the presents are waiting under the tree. That's lovely. So the real stuff is, but oh, you traditionally opened it by the tree. Yes, yeah, so no, you open nice. all the tap. Yeah. All the sort of silly things, you just whatever tradition. Uh, or yeah, chocolates, whatever chocolate coins. And then you'd have the big boxes. It's left nice. by Santa. Do you go for a walk on Christmas Day? Do you go on a countryside walk? Yes. Or walk into town as you might have done when you used to live in Hitchin. Uh, no, I think even when I lived in Hitchin when I was younger, I think we probably just walked around the park, dog mm. out. Yeah. Whatever. So that's a traditional, more or less, if you go between the lines. Here, if we're just going to pour the... Hopefully you'll be able to hear something. Full glass port. Some people think port's too rich to have a full glass of. I think they're just weak. Ugh. My... Oh, Jesus. I've been out twice this weekend. My, my liver is actually in pain. It's Christmas. It is Christmas. You're Yay! meant to knock out. You're meant to knock a few months off the end, aren't you? <laughs> I am. Um, see, my family doesn't really drink mm. at Christmas time, so the drinking is a tradition I've taken on by myself. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, a bottle of port tends to be my my day. It's. And it, then maybe a brandy or a brand, skinny, right. maybe a beer at lunch. Yeah, I have beers at lunch. Is it just the British thing to get absolutely battered on Christmas Eve? Or is it uh, an international thing? Well. I feel like it's been in a film, someone else did it as well. Maybe well, in America they get twatted on Christmas Eve. Mmm, well, they have eggnog at Thanksgiving. Yeah. I think um, traditionally we only really had Christmas Day off. That's probably why it's a big drinking day. That's true. Yeah. But then again, I don't know. But anyway. Screw it. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. Cheers to Christmas. Mm. Oh. Ooh, yes. Oh, I love Paul. That's quite tasty. <laughs> Your face says different. Yeah, it's, it's because it's more alcohol. Oh. It's very nice. That's and it rips the it rips the enamel off of your teeth, Paul, doesn't it? It rips everything off. <laughs> it rips your clothes off if you drink enough of it. We'll see you at the end of the show, shall we? <laughs> so, yes, what have we got coming up? Well, two films were released uh, this month, and we need to talk about both of them. One of which is Star Wars, yes. which um, we'll get into. The other one is Cats. Meow. Mm. And I'm 
overjoyed. <laughs> I'm overjoyed with how it's gone down. Yes. Uh, like a nasty little gleeful... Well, yes, regular listeners to the show will know that Rob has been increasingly disturbed by what's happening with cats. Yeah. Uh, me too, but Rob particularly, <laughs> you've actually been hunting down information about it. Yeah, I just, I just don't get on with it. And now I'm morbidly curious about it. And I think you and me are probably going to see it. Yeah, we haven't yet. We haven't yet. I was going to review it, but I think this show, because Star Wars is a topic of discussion, I think a review wouldn't do it justice. So instead, this show, I'm going to be doing my top five and bottom five of the year, mm. 2019. And we're going to actually sit down and have a proper little chat about cats and Star, Star Wars. Wars. There will be. Are we doing a spoiler warning for Star Wars? Are we going to talk spoilers? We don't have to. It's not. Alright. I think it's Christmas. a bit too early. It is too early. It's only a week, isn't it? So. Alright, sweet. Um, what else? We'll we... talk about. Well, yeah, fair warning. We'll talk about how we feel about it. If yeah. That counts as a spoiler. Some spoiler. Some vague spoileriness will ooze out. Yes. But it, we won't say anything concrete. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's the best way to do it. The most exciting thing as well is we're exchanging gifts. Yes, it's Christmas Day! We've bought each other some prezzies. Mm hmm. Yes, so we'll be exchanging them. Yours look much neater wrapped than mine. Check out that bad boy. Look at that! It's a proper look. Well, okay. Yeah, it's a a proper one. I didn't even bother covering up one of them. Oh, really? I've just got an Amazon bag. Okay. (laughs) It's covered. It's covered, fine. Wrapping. Honestly, in this decadent society of more paper. Yeah, so normally we'd cut to a song now, but. Uh, yeah. uh, we'll just do a thing. Okay. It's Christmas time, it's Christmas time again. That's it. <laughs> Alright, no, let's, let's keep going. Do it again. I know, it's Christmas time, it's Christmas time again. Rich pies and a pudding on top. It's Christmas time. I hate it, I hate it. I don't regret <laughs> I regret that we started it. <laughs> Alright, well, let's, let's pop over to my the first of my top five, shall we? Okay, All right. right. 2019 has been quite a year for film, and Stream Bucket has mostly been there the whole time. So while everyone posts their film of the year top 5 list or once again shares and argues about their favourite Marvel films, allow me to throw my hat into the ring with my top and bottom 5 films I've reviewed on Screen Bucket. Incidentally, Wolf was a 2019 film where a bunch of Roman soldiers explore north of Hadrian's War and get attacked by Celtic werewolves and the whole thing looks so awful I can only imagine the filmmaker must have won some sort of competition to get their film on wide release at actual cinemas. Okay, good. That counts as a review. At number 5 of my top films of 2019, we have Polar. Released in January 2019, Polar was a Netflix original adaptation of a 2012 webcomic of the same name, starring Mads Mikkelsen, uh, Vanessa Hudgens, Catherine Winnick and Matt Lucas. Polar is the complete antithesis of super stylist John Wick. Dumb, crude, mega violent and over the top, Polar has the added bonus of having an absolutely banging soundtrack from Dead Mouse and might be the closest I've ever seen to a live-action Saturday morning cartoon, complete with absolutely insane bad guy. With a whopping 20% on Rotten Tomatoes, Polar's not well-liked, generally. But if you want something dumb, fun and ridiculous, you can't go far wrong. Number 5 of the worst films of 2019 is the wet yawn that was Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery isn't bad because it's a remake. 2019 had some great remakes. Pet Cemetery is bad because it's a complete waste of time. Boring, dull, and a complete rehash of a story that wasn't really that worth telling the first time around. Pet Cemetery has the one saving grace of John Lithgow, but not even that is enough to spare this rod of judgment. Merry Christmas from Screen Bucket. Beep boop. Robert. Yes. You are a fan of the Yule. 
I love the Yule. The Yule time festive fun. I do. Have you felt festive this year? This is Christmas Day. For the sake of joy and goodwill to all men and women across oh. the world. Mm. And everything in between. I feel festive at the moment. Yeah, I wish good. everyone would feel festive. But this year, for the first time, it's really coming late. Normally, mm. normally around like the 5th or the 6th of December, I force feed myself films and music and stuff. And then it works. And I'm on it. And I'm festive. This year, there's been a cloud which be blocking the Christmas that's coming through. I wonder if that's because you live with me and Josh. Maybe. <laughs> maybe you've done it. Yeah, because in my parents' house, yeah. mum would be running around going, oh, it's Christmas, it's getting Christmassy now. And I guess you accept that and it brainwashes you. Well, there's a weird thing about that because I think for many years, many, many years of your life, everyone's life, um, the parents do it for the kids. Right. Oh, it's Christmas. We have to celebrate for the for little Sandra. Yeah, We've got to go all out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they have to have a wonderful Christmas. They have yeah. to have a pony and blah, blah. But after a while, it flips, and I think people have Christmas for the sake of their parents. Mm. It's really weird. I've, it's something I've noticed. Like I don't really care, but I know that the big deal was made when I was younger. But now I'm like, oh, I'm just doing it for them. Do you know what I mean? No. Do you not find that? I mean, it's just. You, you... I think you, maybe your species, people like you, maybe. Do you not find that you celebrate to make your parents happier? But literally, up until this year, every other Christmas, I've absolutely loved it. Mm, okay. And then, but I've read that someone was telling me yesterday, um, who was drunk, <laughs> um, that once it's gone, it's gone forever. And then I read it on the internet just now. Someone wrote, "Oh, what, you the joy." Yeah, someone oh wrote on the internet just now. They said, "Oh, you guys just come home for Christmas and you're suddenly saying I'm not feeling it this year. It's gone." No, that's not true. I hope not, mate. I'll tell you uh, why. I'll tell you why that's not true. Mm. That might well, that might be true for a bit. But when you become a parent, it becomes exciting again. Yeah, you get to make your kid really happy. Is that which is why I'm going back to like you do it for your kids and that makes a whole. I guess I don't think it's gone for if you're if you don't get a family for whatever reason then it probably wouldn't come back but right. that is something that brings it back up but the babies are let's be honest rubbish I mean babies are scum babies are rubbish they're just they're drunk they drunk midgets they're yeah. a wretched hive of scum and villainy yeah 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 until about 3-4 and then they'll start to understand the concept of Christmas just a bit so what we need to do is impregnate someone and abandon them <laughs> for three years Three and a half years. Oh, Christ. Three years. Four okay. y- we'll abandon him for four years, and then we'll be like, Daddy's back. Oh, he was <laughs> he was off fighting in the war. He joined the French Foreign Legion, and then he had to escape because the French Foreign Legion went mental. Oh, my God. Then come back they, and become father again when the child has stopped being rubbish. Is this is this a good idea? Yeah. Okay. Because... Oh, it sort of reminded me of an Inspector Tools. It's sort of waiting for someone to come and <laughs> expose your foul deeds. You need to, you need to get Christmas back. If, it, if, the, if for me Christmas is gone forever, if the joy of Christmas is gone forever, yeah. then I need to impregnate someone and run. <laughs> and then come back in four years. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. It's happening. All right. That's a... Is anyone, is any girls out there want an absent father for four years? An absent husband? Don't, don't open boyfriend. those doors. No. God knows what's going to come back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, give me a baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> four years of parent checks. Oh, uh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay, but you love Christmas. Yeah, I do. Generally speaking. Generally speaking, I love Christmas. There might be a doubt for next year, but we'll see. Yeah. What do you not like about it? Um, Facebook. What? Face people trying out Christmas each other. People start posting uh, things in October saying, "Oh, there's only uh, ninety days till Christmas now." Yeah, but those people are disgusting people, and ill. People have a competition to look to to make Christmas their thing more than anyone else's, mm. and I don't like it when people were like, "Christmas." Yeah, Was yeah. That a, a, no, I agree. Yeah, but I, I mean that's grasping at straws. I mean, what what about the day? Is there something about today that you don't like? Um, I think 
there's a time that comes when I want to go to bed and I've had enough of everyone and it's nothing personal against anyone in my family it's just me generally I like solace I like um, mm. I like to have I, I want to rejoin my fortress of solitude I agree but I just leave yeah but you you're uh, treated like an adult <laughs> I, but I kind of feel like okay I've got to stay until I don't know Midnight until the last person scurries off. Really? See, I don't I've... have to. No, no, no one makes me feel like that. I just feel like I've got an obligation to because of my nature. Mm. I still, there, there's no forcing it. I just ha- feel like I have to. I would go away and listen to a podcast. I would be listening to what we're recording now. Yeah. On Christmas Day, like for an hour, and then I'll come back. That'd be good. That's yeah. what I'd normally do. Mm. In an ideal world. You do the Wham video thing, and you like bugger your family off and go meet your mates for an evening. Oh well, yeah. Funny enough, I used to do that. Did you? Um, for years as teenagers, there'd be a point I don't. I need to get out of this house. Mm. Be after dinner, and I'd go and knock on people's houses. I'd go get Josh, for example, right? And we'd go for a little walk. Lovely. Oh yeah. Come back. We do that. Yeah, I did that. Way. I did that with Jed actually. Yeah, I had a stroll with my friend yeah, Jerry. It's, it's nice. A little Christmas stroll with him. It's good to see people. And you know, I went to the to the Moorhens to my old place of work. And met my old staff people and had a beer with them one year, which was nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that needs to be more in Christmas. It doesn't just have to be about family. Well, this is yeah, absolutely, I agree. Uh, I think that's probably coming to a natural conclusion. But yeah. I'll, I'll end by saying what I had by Christmas: turkey. Oh. And number four of my top films of 2019. Please make way for Wild Rose. Surprisingly not based on a true story, Wild Rose introduced us to an aspiring country singer, single mother and former jailbird Rosalind Harlan. Returning to her Glasgow home from prison for attempted drug smuggling, Rosalind is forced to confront life and motherhood while still trying to hold on to her dreams. Where Wild Rose succeeds, where other rags to riches tales don't, is that it's absolutely overflowing with heart fun and an incredible soundtrack with Jesse Buckley's lead performance and genuine musical talent absolutely stealing the show. Shuffling in at number four of the worst films of 2019 is the completely incomprehensibly boring Dead Don't Die. Listed as a horror comedy and with an all-star cast, Jim Jarmusch's Dead Don't Die could have been an excellent unravelling of classic zombie films, except it wasn't. It was boring, groan-worthy, and cringe-worthily meta. Bizarre twists and turns that mean absolutely nothing complement a deadpan attitude that was more frustrating than smart. Dead don't die. Dead don't watch. Uh, uh. <sighs> Merry Christmas from Bill Nye, and I hope you listen to my single. Even though it's a complete pile of bollocks. We'd like a present. Yeah, go on in, mate. I'd love yeah. present. I would love present. Uh, I'm gonna with my strategies. I'm gonna start with the least good one with you, and then we're, I'm gonna finish on the best one. All right. Yeah, I'll do the same. Uh, okay. This is the worst wrapped one as well. Here you go. Thank you, mate. And then Can I have one? Pass you this. Yay! Ooh, this is much bigger. I can't remember if you like them or not. (laughs) Okay, Rob's bought me a bag of flying sauces and some taste of different Sainsbury's chunky Belgian chocolate shortbread. And I love them both. Yay! This is the most thoughtful gift ever. You're already... Okay, it's 1-0 to you. 100%. (laughs) What have I got you? You've got me an adhesive key rack, so I'm never going to spend about an hour rummaging around my room for my keys again. Rob has a superpower of putting his keys down in the weirdest places in the flat on top of the fridge yeah in a drawer yeah what and so every day either loses his keys or can't find them sometimes I put it in like my sock drawer like and it ends up it's just underneath socks what what I don't know do you know what I do with my keys what I put them in my pocket well, that makes more sense. That yeah, and they just sense. stay there. That makes significantly more sense. So I bought you an adhesive key rack so you can put your keys on them and you'll always know where they are. Thank you so much. An adhesive, I assume, is I can just stick it to my wall. Yeah, or yeah, door. yeah. Or door, yeah. Oh! 
Not only that, I now have extra hooks for my jacketters. Uh, if it stays I, I don't know how strong it is. That's true. But meanwhile, I've got flying saucers, which I bloody love. Wonderful. And shortbread. I'm going to have a flying saucer right now. So I used to, a couple of us used to do, we'd get multiple flying saucers, mm. very carefully peel them apart, mm. uh, and put, oh, it's one of bananas, and then we'd put all the sherbet in one, and then seal it back up, and have a super saucer. Oh. Come on. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, mate. I think they're rubbish. How dare you. But I remember you, I remember you loving them in the past at some point. But I, I think they... They're like polystyrene, and then there's sawdust in them. Sure, they're like, they're like the wafers you get in church. Yeah, they are. With they're, a superpower with in With sugary middle. twist. Yeah. Nah. Yeah, I'll have another one. I'll have one more. I'll have one more. Yeah. Ah, cool. Cool. Nice. Right. Oh, it's tart. Mm. Oh. Oh. Number three of my top film list, we have Ready or Not. Starring my personal favourite Margot Robbie clone, Samara Weaving, Ready or Not delivers a black comedy horror that just keeps on delivering. Laugh out loud funny, gory as all hell, and pumped full of fun character moments, Ready or Not scratches my evil dead itch, and yet remains completely unique. Bonus points go to the costume designer, who not only made a great looking set of costumes, but also managed to make possibly the best cosplay outfit for future Halloween goers. Number three of my 2019 worsties is the incredibly disappointing Men in Black International. Starring Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, Men in Black International is a spin-off from the original Men in Black series and fourth overall Men in Black film. And it's terrible. If boring, bland characters doing things for no reason in a confusing yet kind of predictable series of adventures isn't enough for you to hate it. Men in Black International suffers from an even greater problem. Pawnee, the worst CGI character since Jar Jar Binks. AIP Home Video. An innocent romp in the woods turns into a hellish nightmare when an evil force is accidentally awakened. Action International Pictures presents the gruesome holiday shocker. Elves. They're not working for Santa anymore. When rough day at work, Santa got murdered. Their mission to mate with a virgin and conquer the world as a pint-sized master race. I'm saving it for someone special. Dan Haggerty stars as Mike McGavin, an ex-detective working on hard times. First you sin and then you die. She is the most important person on Earth. From her will grow the new order. Santa must expose this unholy force before the elves destroy Christmas. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Elves, they're not working for Santa anymore. Fighting the Frizzies at 11. So, Star Wars. Star Wars. We both saw it on Saturday, Don. Yep. Hmm. Now, I went into this film and not expecting very much at all. So did I. I read and I made the mistake of reading some reviews and people were grumbling online and I thought it was going to suck. And yeah, me too. I came out of it the most satisfied out of all three. I agree. And I really wasn't expecting that. I, as a rule, I don't like J.J. Abrams. No. And I thought Force Awakens was rubbish. Force Awakens was like a rehash of New Hope. It was too nostalgic, too goofy, weird, like, I don't know. It was just it was flexing the Star Wars muscle. That's all it was but doing. But it did it really badly. It was like a fan film. Mm. And some of the characters did weird, like, Finn, who's played by John Boyega, who's a British guy. He's, at one point he starts talking like he's a 
black character in a Michael Bay film. And I'm thinking, what is going on? And it just drove me mad. And I was, I was kind of expecting to see the same thing again, because obviously the backstory is Last Jedi happened with a different director. Mm. Fans hated it. Well, a lot of people hated it, apparently. Yeah. Um, so they went back to J.J. Abrams. And I was like, oh, God, we're going to see more of the same. But no, completely different. It was. It felt more mature. Like, even the actors, the way they acted, felt more grown up. Yes, 100%. There was, um, there was definitely a feeling of, okay, the first two have left us with a bit of a puzzle, a bit of a, a tangle which we need to untie. And, m- like, much of the first sort of segment of the film was, we need to scramble together a plot. Yeah. Having said that, I think they did the pro- more or less the best they possibly could have done. I mean, it is hard when you when obviously all of it was unplanned. There wasn't really anything set in terms of the third one. Well, this is the problem. So the, the new trilogy, they went in without a plan. Mm. So they set all this stuff up in the first one, and it was all a bit cliche and a bit naff. I thought anyway. The second one then undid it all and unravelled it all and said, nah, forget about that, nah, don't worry about that. Whatever. Mm. So the third one then left it with a clean slate but also has to end the trilogy. Mm. Mm. Bit tricky. And then, so yes, then the opening, it kind of adds a whole new thing in the in the title crawl it says this thing happened oh the, the title crawl was weird the title crawl was rubbish and also really short I thought. yeah the, oh, I can't we, can't, we can't really say ah. what it is yeah that's the trouble but they introduce a whole new thing that's never mentioned again mm. and this forces the first act to happen yeah which just was rubbish I thought I think <coughs> I'm assuming we can we know the world knows about Palpatine. Oh, well, okay, yes. We know that Palpatine's laugh was in a trailer. Yeah. Um, so, the film does not take any time in, you know, letting you know all about that. Mm. It's straight in there. It's almost like... the la- Rise of the Skywalkers, whatever it's called, Rise of Skywalker. Mm. It goes in and says, that thing you've been thinking about, here you go. Mm. Here's the answer. Yeah. And you're, oh, okay. Oh, there there's no gravitas. There's no build-up. There's no tension. Mm. We kind of get given everything straight off the bat. Yeah. Which I don't like. Do you know what I did? I have very much come to appreciate, and I've only really realised it with this one, is Kylo Ren is actually a very, very good character. Well, do you know what? He is. And I think I thought that in the last one. Mm. I think there's... While Rise of Skywalker does undermine and undo some of The Last Jedi, yeah, it keeps one thing in that I absolutely loved, and that was the way that Kylo Ren is connected to Rey, yes. and they have these moments where they're talking to each other. Yeah. Really, really love that. Last Jedi did it really well, mm. where they just sort of catch a glimpse of each other and go like, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you doing here? This one, they do that. They do it again, but more deliberately. And they've got this amazing little thing where they can sort of reach into each other's world, space, take stuff out. That's awesome! Absolutely fantastic. And I like. I think he's a bit unique in terms of how they deal with his conflict because obviously we had, if you go back to the prequels, they had Anakin's conflict, especially especially in the, the, the second two movies. Kylo Ren's conflict. There's there's something a lot more angsty and brooding and weaker there's something weaker about him like there's a side of him that's a lot more human than yeah. how it was portrayed in episode 2 and 3 they did a really yes. good job of him I think I think Force Awakens he's a bit of a broody git uh, and he's a bit of an emo Sith which mm. I didn't like but what happened with Last Jedi is we start to see that he, he's doubting himself he's doubting himself he's buckling under the pressure of like Kylo Ren and, and also he he has this Ambition to work together with. He's curious about Ray. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's not. It's not overtly a love interest thing, although it's kind of there. The subtext is there. Mm. Um, but and then this one, it sort of develops more, and he's 
it's kind of they want they both want to work with each other but not in the current form so they're trying to sort of find each other by finding themselves it's a really their dynamics really interesting it's yeah it's fascinating in yeah i'd argue it's probably the best thing about films really it's best certainly the best thing in the new trilogy yeah tell you who what isn't the best thing in the new trilogy finn all the other characters everyone else poe Drives me mad. Pose, uh, whoever's writing Pose one-liners needs to, I don't die? know, die. <laughs> die. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't so bad. One Kill of the, one <laughs> Kill him. Do it. Um, one of the big complaints about Last Jedi was that his one-liners really undermined. There's the, the Yo Mama joke. Yeah. Right at the top of the film. Eh. It's not as bad as that in Rise of Skywalker. Mm. It's still slightly jarring in some parts. Yeah. He. And also. He gets given command at one point, but he was like an underling in the second film. That's what the whole dramatic twist is in the Last Jedi: is that he's not in charge. Did he prove himself though? He Finn for me was the most disappointing. Finn became nothing more than a an extra arm, really, mm, for mm. Ray. He looked like he helps her occasionally. Or, or Poe, like he was always helping someone else. Yeah, and when. In the first, all right. This is what you remember from the first trailer more than anything for the Force Awakens. That there's a pan across the desert, and then Finn pops up. Yep. And he's stormtrooper. He's all in his stormtrooper outfit except for his head. He's looking around, and you're thinking, "What is this guy's story? What is it all about?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's even more compelling when you realise he's not a Jedi and he doesn't have the Force. Because you're thinking, in all the other films, it's very intrinsically. The Jedi's are important. Finn isn't a Jedi. What's he got to do as a non-Jedi? You can kind of relate to it almost. And then to find out as the trilogy goes on that he just helps out of it. Yeah, really weak character. I thought they'd go a bit further into it. Um, This isn't really a spoiler. But they meet another group of characters. Well, they meet Mm. one of them anyway. uh, Who is also a former Stormtrooper. Right, oh yeah, of course. And I thought they were going to do something with that, and they did a bit, but... Eh, not really. It was it was inconsequential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apart from the fact, as someone pointed out on Twitter, there's a moment when Finn and... Girl... Oh, I can't... I don't even think she had a name. Um, were talking about being former Stormtroopers and being abducted as children. That's the first time in Star Wars that two black characters talk to each other. No way. Okay, so yeah. Okay, so you've got Billy D. Williams and you've got Samuel L. Jackson. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm not remembering someone. I don't remember that. any other black characters. Mm. And this film has two instances of that because Lando is also in this film. He also talks to her as well. Yeah, I like that. Well, he can't talk about that. Yeah. Did you see what I mean? It's, it's a mm. weird thing that it's there, but it doesn't do anything. No. So it's kind of... I'll have to. I, I'll have to mention one scene. Um, the festival on the planet. Oh yes, there was a really. It was almost even. Um, there, there are certain scenes in the prequels that are like quite wonderful. They're few and far between. Okay. Um, but it kind of had that kind of feeling of, oh, this is new. This is a weird new alien species doing an odd thing I haven't seen anymore. Yeah. Like, like before you realise the Gungans sh- uh, suck. You know. <laughs> you're like, whoa! This is an underwater species. This is mental. I didn't yeah. Know. Yeah. You know, there was this whole... The mystery. They, they, found, so, yeah. they found Burning Man on another planet. <laughs> and that was true. And you know, the, the thing that stood out for me on that was that it was people having fun. Yeah. You don't often see that in Star Wars. No. Um, also, there's babies... Don't often see that either. Yeah, weird little babies. Um, yeah, really, really good. Really interesting. And doesn't really... They're just there. Mm. It's not a thing that they're celebrating that the main characters are part of. They just bump into these people having fun. Yeah. One of my favourite things in this... Actually, Force Awakens did it as well. So, credit to J.J. Abrams on this one. Uh, costumes and creatures. Oh, yeah. Really awesome. Especially this one. Especially Rise of Skywalker. There's a big... Quite early on, we introduced a massive slug. Big slug, yeah. Straight Claude, out. Uh, Claude, isn't his name Claude? Was it? Is it? I think it's Claude. Straight out of Rick and Morty. Yeah. Like, proper big eyes and goofy. Uh, you've got the you've got the aliens having a festival. 
You've got the Lando's taxi driver. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> Just obviously a headless stick. Um, and my new favourite Star Wars character. The mechanic. The little mechanic. The engineer man. mechanic, yeah. Fixes C3PO. Yeah. Best character ever. He He's... pops up in the in the ship. Doesn't he? <laughs> he does. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, look out for that. We won't obviously reveal what's going on, but that is an awesome character, and I really like it. Yeah, that's that's top baby Yoda for me. For awesome little creatures. Yes, absolutely. And I, you know, I won't see it at the cinema again. But for the first time, I think as soon as that comes out, I'll probably. Yeah, I'll probably get the old Blu-ray and give that a watch mm. again, to be mm. honest, because I, I did enjoy it. High praise. Yeah. I... Hmm. There's moments in it that I really liked. I don't think I'm that... It hasn't... It hasn't resurrected Star Wars for me. Because I'm kind of done with it, I think. I think if they try and bring out a new trilogy now, I'm not interested. No. Um, Even if they go back to the old... Uh... The Old, Old Republic. Republic, yeah. Uh, nah, not for me, I don't think. I think I'm done with Star Wars, which is really sad. Um, I would say that some of the visuals in this film are awesome. And do hint, maybe if they do do the Old Republic, they could do something interesting. They've mm. got the Sith Temple and, you know, these big, massive scale statues and things, which is quite interesting, I thought. Mm. Uh, is it a spoiler to say Palpatine's got a life support machine that looks straight out of Hel No, I don't think so. No. Palpatine's on the giant robot arm and it's straight out of Hellraiser. Yes. I mean, that's cool. The idea of the Sith being like Cenobites. Yeah. I mean, that's something that might be quite fun to explore. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. It feels I like there's an, un there's an untold story there now, but we can't, like you say, you're kind of fed up a bit, but there's. I was, I was very interested in the Sith Temple, and I, I was kind of thinking about the past. And there's a, there is an element of nostalgia towards the end, which they do beautifully, which I, I can't go into. There's a few bits, but with nostalgia in mind, what this film does well that Force Awakens doesn't is it's nostalgic, but it doesn't retread old stuff. It's nostalgic in the sense it's that it's nostalgic, but it does a new thing with it. Yeah. So there's a few moments when. I mean, I know this because I'm weird about sound, as you pointed out to me before. Uh, there's bits when they've got small music cues in the original films. Background noise from the original films. Yes! And you think, oh, that's interesting. But I don't know whether enough people would notice that, or whether it's just me. I think um, the, the opening is naff. The opening ruined the surprise yeah. of what was to come. I don't understand why they did that at all. Um, I also thought the ending was a bit yawn-worthy. There's a big climax battle, which is in one of the trailers, to be fair, um, which is just the ending of Futurama and the Lego movie. So, eh? Mm. What? What? Do something original. Um, I thought it was dragged on a little bit. I was, although, credit where it's due, I was more interested in the lightsaber duel and Jedi people than there was the big space battles, which is totally new yeah it's never happened to me before normally I just care about the soldiers and the space battles oh, that's the biggest compliment you could possibly give it yeah because they did something really interesting with the characters with Ray and Kylo yeah I couldn't agree more I couldn't agree more yeah they did a really really good job couldn't care less about the space battle mm. completely different that's I, that's I, opposite I, even of Return of a Jedi I 100% agree yeah. that's exactly the same so yeah every time I went back to that I was like oh god yeah what are you doing you're riding a cow up a spaceship <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so yes Star Wars Rise of the Skywalker yeah. really really impressed yeah really happy with it I'd say just give it a chance if you're on the fence about it because for the first time in the trilogy it's worth watching. A hundred. It's like there's no doubt. There's no doubt that it's worth watching for me. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I agree. Mm. Definitely recommended. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Cool. May the. Uh, I'm trying to make a Christmas Star Wars joke. And I may the. Uh, happy Life Day. That's what you're thinking of. What's that? Life Day. Star Wars Christmas. Oh no. Celebrate. A life of peace. Damn it. I just need to make sure that my cocaine nail is <laughs> up to scratch.
of Respawn Entertainment's latest title hitting shop shelves and broadband cables recently, some game about some wizards in space, you know the one, it's got that Joker chap out of Gotham in it. Well anyway, I can't remember the name of it at the moment, but we thought it would be a good opportunity to look back at Respawn's first two titles, Titanfall and Titanfall 2. Now, I'm covering both of these games as a part of my Games of the Generation series, but I'm not insane enough to say that the first game actually belongs in it. I'm only mentioning it because of the second game. It was arguably an incomplete game that was begging for more. It was only released on the Xbox, which, although that was fine by me, it must have been difficult for old Vince Zampella to watch this brainchild of his wilt away on a console that had a frankly dwindling player base from the off. But here's the thing, people had still bought Xbox Ones, people still wanted to play games on their Xbox Ones, and with that terrible initial lineup of games for Microsoft's follow-up to the Xbox 360, Titanfall had very little competition, and so it developed a small following. That's not to say it was a bad game in a bad group, it was a good game, as in the gameplay was superb. I myself must have put a good 30 hours plus into it, which is a lot for me for a multiplayer game, and that was all thanks to that flipping brilliant gameplay. All round too, the game modes were fun and challenging, the gunplay was probably some of the best that I'd known at the time, and the teamwork was natural and effective without feeling forced. But it just felt like there should have been more. There were only a few maps and the campaign was just a fixed playlist of repeating maps and modes with no cutscenes and next to no actual story. So what did Zince Van Pella and the other lovely people at Respawn do? Well, they made Titanfall 2 of course, and this time it went to all platforms. All of a sudden, PS4 players got to experience that exceptional gunplay too. But that wasn't all. Oh no, they listened to their critics, they kept what was good about the first game and then built on it. The main thing missing from the game was of course the campaign, and so what did they do? Well, they had a campaign of course, and this time it was a proper one. If you haven't had the chance to pick Titanfall 2 up, then I'm not going to ruin the campaign for you, don't worry. All I can say is that without a doubt, it has my favourite campaign of any first person shooter. Certainly this generation, but possibly of all time, honestly it's that good. There's one particular mission a little later on that is frankly astounding. If you've played it then you'll know the one I mean because it would have stood out for you too. All I'll say is it's a bit of a puzzle mission where you have to work your way through the mission in a very unique way. The characters in it, both human and machine, are superb to the point of lovable. They are well rounded and entertaining. By the end I genuinely care about them and find myself fighting to keep them all alive. Frankly, if I was to be so crude as to assign a rating to this game I'd probably say sod off game ratings mean nothing but then I'd begrudgingly grumble a 10 out of 10 when I'm sure nobody is listening. Titanfall 2 is easily in my top 5 games of this generation. It is one of those can't miss titles that comes along every few years and demands your attention. Adam, it's time for round 2 of Christmas present swapping. Yay! Alright, what are we doing? Are we doing medium? Are we still going in order? We're doing order, yeah. This is the medium. This is the uh, the silver medal of the Christmas presents. Alright, this is the one I can be asked to wrap. Oh, so, here's an Ooh. Amazon bag. Wow, that feels... I'm going to guess that's a shirt. This is... Yep. I've bought you a oh. disgusting Christmas jumper. Yes! <laughs> what, is, what is this? Ha 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 bought me is that, <laughs> is that the price on as well? <laughs> Rob's bought me Pay the Ghost, a Nicolas Cage film. Have you seen it? No. <laughs> Good. I found it I found it in Boundland today. <laughs> you you've smashed me to me. <laughs> 
What? Wait. Oh, oh god. my god. What the f What is it made of? Okay, I bought this thing here as a jumper. I'm gonna be touching myself all day. <laughs> it's like. It's like what? Wow, it's 2XL! Oh yeah, there's only one size. But I figured it was a Christmas jumper, so uh, it should be baggy. Sagging around, okay. But that is. What material is that? It's, a, it's what material I'd imagine that maybe the inside of a furry suit would be made of. <laughs> it's... I bought it thinking it was a jumper, that's why I bought a big one, but that is huge. Mate, that's. <laughs> a, do you know, it's a T-Rex firing a laser beam yeah. with a Father Christmas hat on and he's guarding presents and he's on some kind of Tron-based computer layer background <laughs> by a Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah, and he's holding a star. I mean... Mate, that is filthy. <laughs> but in the most wonderful way possible. I love it. Thank you very much. It's absolutely enormous. Yeah. Feels very sexy, doesn't it? It does. I wonder if that's. Do you reckon that's splash proof? Maybe. For what, <laughs> for what reason? Oh, right, right, right. Uh, right, anyway, so you brought me Pay the Ghost, Evil Walks Among Us. Right, you gotta read that blurb out, mate. Every year, there must be a sacrifice. That's the tagline. Almost a year after his young son disappeared from his side on Halloween night in New York City, Mike. Nicholas Cage, is alone and, and haunted by terrifying visions of his son. Desperate but determined not to let go, he researches all the cases of missing children bloody hell, in the city and comes to a horrifying conclusion. After bombarding the detective in charge of the case with his shocking theory, he finally reunites with his estranged wife, Sarah Wayne Callies. No idea. I recognise her and shares the supernatural mystery surrounding their son's disappearance. As Halloween night draws closer, Mike must follow a series of terrifying clues as he is led deeper into the ancient curse that could destroy him and all he loves. What? I know! It sounds brilliant, I doesn't it? I don't understand what's happening. Look at him! Look how concerned he is! <laughs> He's so concerned! Uh, it's okay. Literally never heard of it. People, people listening to us, um, the world is very much on the fence about Nicolas Cage. Um, we can categorically say that we are not. No, we absolutely love him. Yes. We adore <laughs> the ground that he walks on. This film, however, yeah, I was panicking. I was running around town today and, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> you... I mean, it costs two pounds on Powerland, so it I must, know. Be, must be exclusive. I really broke the bank with that one, mate. I think you won. <laughs> It's 2-0. 2-0. Alright. Okay. Alright, so you can still pull it back. Huh? You can still can pull it back. How can I put it back? Is the final present worth two? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Alright. Right. Sweet. Coming in at number two of my top 2019 films is Vice. Quite simply, Vice tells the story of one of the most terrifying men in recent history, Dick Cheney. A man who managed to take over the White House and the whole world without anyone really noticing. Told as a dark comedy biopic and directed by Adam McKay, Vice introduces us to Dick as a young idiot and takes us through the 9-11 attacks and through to the war on terror, which many of the decisions shown in the film are still being felt today. Uncomfortable, chilling and utterly scathing, the only way Vice could have been improved is by sticking Malcolm Tucker in there too. Number two in Adam's worst films of the year is the god-awful Black Christmas. A remake in name only, Black Christmas grinds its heel into the face of the beloved and genre-forming 1974 original with a mess of hot topic political buzzwords that seemingly fell straight off of Tumblr. It isn't even the message that's the problem with Black Christmas, it's the unforgivably bad attempt of hammering the message home that drove me genuinely and audibly place my head in my hands and groan. This is the first film since 2007's epic movie that made me want to walk out of the cinema. Hello there. Santa, do you like this devil? Huh? Devil? Now, let's see. Don't think anybody ordered this. Well, now, how does it work? What is the sense of it? Like this, Dana. You must light it. Let's have it. 
merciful king of Hades command you to stop and disappear. Be gone, all of you! Except Pitch. You, Pitch, chief of all my demons, must listen closely. The time is almost here when you must abandon the brimstone pits and journey up to Earth. But this time you must not fail as you've done in the past. You must not be defeated by that bearded old ghost, Santa Claus! Well, the devil doesn't give up either. And he seems to be quite happy about his next plot against Santa. Okay, um, cats. 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 So, um, what's the name of the bloody... Ah, oh, Tom Hooper. <coughs> Tom Hooper is the director. Uh, you've got a stellar cast in this. You have Ian McKellen. You have Dame Judi Dench. You have Taylor Swift. You have Idris Elba. You have... Oh, James Corden. Um, <coughs> yeah, regardless, you've got A-lister after A-lister after A-lister and more besides. But, regarding that... When I see a cast full of A-listers, I get suspicious. My red flag goes up. Yeah, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why, is, why have they spent all the money on the cast? Knives Out had the same similar feeling. Yeah. Like, is this just a really bad script that they're hoping to... Uh, Juice up with the, yeah, with the big with guns. Yeah, with all-star cast. I guess the only exception to that rule is Tarantino. But he gets them in because people know... Even then, though, he gets, he gets like, people who get it. Yeah. Like, he gets the same people in most of the time. Because yeah, probably, he does. They're probably fans-ish. Yeah. Like Brad Pitt, for example. Yeah, always he gets Brad Pitt now. He's had Samuel Jackson since the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Christopher Waltz is now a regular. Uh, who, I can't really think of any other... Ensemble team, Oceans, the Oceans movies. I, did you watch the last Oceans? Uh, no. This almost went on to my worst list of this year. Did it? The new Oceans 11. Oh, oh the, boy. Oh, the ladies one. Oh, what a stink, yeah. Wow. I, I don't know whether it's... It might just be because it's the same bloody thing. But anyway, anyway. Yes. So, this film... Cats. Cats universally hated? It, it, it is, but I'm going to go out now and quote me as saying this in ten years' time. This film is going to become a cult film. This is going to become a cult movie. I guarantee it. But for who? Because... It's weird, it's disturbing, and it sucks. And sometimes that is that is lightning in a bottle for in terms of like making a film memorable. And people go watch it and it's a musical. Yeah, but the musical Go watch the musical. People people can go and sing along to it and be like, Well this is terrible, well, my eyes are being raped. <laughs> but then like Les Miserables got turned into a film. Mm. Which fans of the musical didn't like so much because no. it, some of the performances were a bit rubbish. A bit Certain Australian, um, yeah, exactly. And they still hate this. It's kind of forgotten now. There was a big deal about Believe as well, but now eh, no one no, cares. No, yeah, no one cares because it was rubbish. Right. Uh, Cats has an eighteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Not that I really care about that no. generally, but that's very low. That's very low for a massive A-lister film. Yeah. That's hideously low. All right, well, we've been having a little read, and we've um, come across some reviews. Yeah. So, in lieu of us actually having watched it, we're just going to read the reviews. Like the dirty scum we are. Hmm. All right. Uh, Shall I kick us off? Yeah, go for it. There is a thin line between idiocy and genius, and Katz pukes a hairball on it and rubs his arse all over it. Oh, wow. Slash film. Okay. Uh, Artistically, it's a hairball. There's no story to speak of. Mr. Webber's music is immediately forgettable. And, like a cat standing at the open door, it takes forever to get where it's going. (laughs) Ooh. You will witness things no eyes should see. Of course. and (laughs) And things nobody should be able to do. And you will be in awe. IO9. Uh, here's a nice review from Hannah Woodhead from Little White Lies. 
I felt the light inside me slowly fading. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I like Hannah Woodhead. I'm gonna... yeah. Um, too long to make an enjoyable acid trip. Seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, okay. To assess cats as good or bad feels like the entirely wrong axis on which to see it. It is, with all affection, a monstrosity. <laughs> <laughs> Vulture. <laughs> oh, wait, I've got, I've, got, I've got a good one. I've got another good one. Yeah. Cats is a fever dream, a hallucination, an approximation of what would happen if your third eye actually opened and you could suddenly see into the astral plane. Oh my god, these are, these are amazing. <laughs> uh, hang on, let me... Sarah Miles says simply, Cats is a punishment. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh... Visually repulsive and not far behind on a sonic level. Oh no. Glad to report that Cats is everything you'd hoped for and more. A mesmerizingly ugly fiasco that makes you feel like your brain is being eaten by a parasite. A viewing experience so stressful that it honestly brought on a migraine. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you, Robbie Collin. <laughs> for the most part, Cats is both a horror and an endurance test. A dispatch from some neon-drenched neverworld where the ghastly is inextricable from the tedious LA Times. Wow. Um, cats. They're cats. They're furry and dance. <laughs> They're cats. Cats! They're cats! Welcome to cat's hell! <laughs> this is John Negroni. <laughs> uh, See, that... It's yeah, mate. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a cult classic. It's gonna be a cult classic. I guarantee it. People in ten years' time will be like, oh, "Wow, you know, I'm gonna pop on. I want to get weird." Well, you know what? I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes, and while most of them are the ones we're quoting, there are some positive ones. Uh, Dustin Putman from the Film File says, "The truth is, Cats is destined for cult status. Misunderstood by the uninitiated, unaccepted by the it's cool to hate crowd." and cherished by a special brand of audience who sees the value in art that dares to be different. That is... Yeah. Cheers, mate. What's his name? Uh, Dustin Putman. Dustin Putman? Yes. I agree. I haven't seen it, but it just seems like it's got that aura for a film. It's weird. It's liked by a small crowd. That's only going to grow. Uh, someone else said the same thing. It's one of those things that becomes a cult piece. I mean, the fact we're talking about it now, you're probably right. Yeah, because we wouldn't bother if it was just a rubbish film. It's because it's so so bizarre and so strange. Things things have been rubbish in the past plenty of times, but they've never been bizarre or strange. They've just sucked. Well, what gets me is that, eh, eh, no one, even the people who should like it, have expressed that they hate it. Mm. I'm talking about the furries. The fur, yes, the furries don't like it. They absolutely hate it because it's the wrong way round. It shouldn't. It should There's be something like that. They should. I think they want animals to look like people. I think right. it's that. Not but, people. But to not look. people look like animals. Right. It's something like that. There's one way or the other, and whatever it is, cats is wrong. Yeah. Well, cats isn't a fursuit. Cats is a horrible hybrid of human and cat. Yeah. But in the worst well, I thought that's what way. They yeah. Anyway, weird. But we will see it. I suppose we have to really. Yeah. It's now. It's a necessity. All right. Simple cat necessity. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. Why did you got? Have you seen Aristocats? Instead of singing an Aristocats song, you made the Jungle Book in, into a cat song. There's big cats in the jungle. Yeah, Bagheera and um, Shere Khan. Shere Khan, Shere Khan. Shaka Khan, Shere Khan, Shere Khan. Let's move on. We'll do some more porn. Right. And at number one, my top film of the year is the peerless Dolomite Is My Name. Another Netflix original, Dolomite Is My Name tells the real-life story of Rudy Ray Moore, an aspiring comedian and musician in the heart of 70s Hollywood. Barely able to rub two dollars together, Rudy eventually finds success when he takes on the character of Dolomite, a rough, tough, jive-talking pimp with a foul mouth. When this new routine takes off, 
Rudy aims himself even higher, and soon we're on a journey to make a terrible, terrible exploitation film. Dolomite. Inspirational, laugh out loud funny, and extremely fun. Dolomite is my name is a breath of fresh air, and without a doubt, my favourite Eddie Murphy role ever. Watch this film. And finally, hitting the top position for Adam's worst film of 2019 is... Wolf! Believe me when I say that I feel kinda bad about hating Wolf. It's clearly made by an independent filmmaker. It clearly cost pennies to make and was written, produced and directed by someone I would assume is in the early part of their career. So when I say that Wolf is a boring lacklustre horror story with little to no point or worthwhile cinematography, you should know I kind of feel bad about it. Honestly though, how this movie made it into Cineworld, I will literally never know. Shaky camera work is bad enough, but when the audio can be heard clipping from actor to actor, college kids know better than that. The only positive I can think to say about Wolf is, uh, 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 it ended, I guess. Ho, 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 scream bucket, have some of my reindeer meat. Dixon fell off of the sledge, fell 20,000 feet, and landed on a concrete car park. He's all yours. Give me that sweet present. Alright, I'm I'm quietly confident that I'm going to get these points. Okay, so this is worth two points then? Yeah. Okay. I feel like yours is going to be better though. I mean, mine's annoyed. massive. Look at yeah. it. It's huge. Oh, it's definitely... Okay, it's fragile. Oh, mine's heavy though. Alright, I'm going in. This is the final. Oh. Oh! Mine's a sort of bottle. Get open! Jesus Christ! I can't, genuinely can't open this one. Ah, uh, my bad. <laughs> oh, bubble wrap! You got me another glass! Because the other one's smashed! Hey! Patron coffee liqueur! Oh, mate, well done. That's great. No problem. Yes, that's very thoughtful indeed. I um, I smashed. I'm a Manchester United fan for my sins. Please don't stop listening because of that. <laughs> Unless you support Liverpool, then please do. Um, but that was a joke. We're all, we're all welcome here. Sorry. Um, I'm not sorry. I broke my Man United cup the other week, and Adams bought me a new one. Annoyingly, I, the one I ordered looks identical to the one you smashed. Really? This one's got words on it. Man but, United. But it's right. Yeah, good. Thank I, you. I did think about getting you a Man City one. Would have been smashed instantly. <laughs> it would have li literally gone out the window now. It would have already been out the window if you got me a Man City one. Well, there you go. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for your Patron Exo Cafe. No problem. Here is a, a coffee tequila that I always buy on nights out because it's absolutely delicious. Yeah. And it comes in a little cool glass. It's a very cool glass. You know, that is the kind of thing you shove a candle in while you're done drinking it, I think. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Yeah. It makes people think you've got expensive tastes when they come around. <laughs> yes, true. Uh, or you could put some sort of poison in it. Yes. Very good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That's wonderful. What a good haul. Who wins? That's the question. I think... I think you win. <laughs> okay, I'll say that. I think you win. I think I get. I, I gathered some points from that. Yes. I think ultimately, you're def you've definitely come out on top because your gifts were much more thoughtful, and wonderful, and useful, and quite central. And to quite touch. central to touch. Mm. Um, yeah. I think we need to take a picture of of our presence so people can see the the full majesty of Laser Rex. Laser Rex. 100%. Merry Laser Rex. What's uh, going on with his nose? What's going on there? Uh, it's kind of like almost a Carnotaur. 
So the T-Rex has a rounded snout at the top, whereas the Carnotaur had all these weird horns going on. Okay, never mind. <laughs> you asked. You Merry asked. Carnimus. Yeah. Yeah. Right then. Okay. Right. Well. Well, thank you very much for listening. Indeed. Thank um, you so much. We want you to uh, keep on listening. Yeah, so we're keeping the show a bit shorter this time around. We're going to, in the new year, probably aim to stick around an hour. Hmm. You know, tighten things up a bit, make things a bit more interesting. Uh, and have more features and things, I think, is the plan. Yep, have more features. Um, we'll also be doing a lot more stuff um, outside of the podcast in the new year. Which yes, we'll indeed. Posted on. We're probably going to do 12 movies. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it properly. After Quaggers is finished. Yeah. So Quaggers is in the final twitching death throes of, of completion. Yeah. Oh my god, it needs to finish. It's been a wonderful time. We've learnt a lot. Mm. But it needs to end now. Yeah, we're sorry it's taken so long. There's been delays, there's been setbacks, but it's uh it's so close to being finished. I know. <laughs> I've uh it'll be done when it's done. Yeah, I'm not going to rush it, but it, it's so close now that we just need to yeah get it out there, and then we'll move on to the next project. Ooh, yes, exciting times. Yes, indeed. Uh, if you want to follow us on our journey of success, is that too cheesy? No, you said it now. Yeah. Uh, follow us at screen underscore bucket or on Twitter, or follow us at Holodale Media on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, Patreon, go to uh, www.patreon.com slash Media. For the price of a cup of coffee, you can help us get our wonderful projects to where they need to be, and every penny you put into it will go straight into our projects, and you'll be funding indie film. Yes, indeed. you get some nice little bonuses as well, lots of weekly updates, photos, behind-the-scenes videos when they happen, and loads of other stuff as well. And for a limited time only, a sexy Quaggers postcard signed by myself... Adam and the wonderful Josh. Yes, indeed. So, yes, do follow us there. Uh, have a wonderful rest of your Christmas and uh, and New Year's, I suppose. You won't hear us between now and New Year's. So, in, have a happy New Year. Yeah, have a happy New Year. Welcome uh, in a new decade. And we're doing some more port. Lovely. Here's some cheese and then have some Patron. Lovely. Yes. Ooh, wonderful. Mm. Goodbye. Feliz Navidad. I'm sorry? That's Mexican for Merry Christmas. Racist. Spanish? No? Mexican? Mexican Spanish? Portuguese? Ooh, I can't remember now. Cut all of that. Merry Christmas! Christmas time is full of cheer. Ginger wine and chocolate beer. Da da da. Mince pies too. Ooh, wouldn't you come along too? <laughs> Thanks, Josh.